This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Well, and great to have back with us on the show, former U.S. Labor Secretary Robert Reich, who is currently a professor of public policy at the University of California at Berkeley, as well as an author in his latest book, The System, Who Rigged It? How We Fix It, now out in paperback. Mr. Secretary, great to talk to you again. Uh, Hope you're doing well. Uh, Dan, good to talk to you, too, as well as can be expected. Yeah. So as we sit here, uh, let me get your thoughts just in general on kind of the state of the U.S. economy right now, because it's obviously been such a, a roller coaster ride because of the pandemic over the last 18 to 19 months. Uh, well, we're almost at a Goldilocks economy in the sense that we've got a lot of pent up demand and we certainly have adequate stimulus Uh, The problem, of course, is that there is still some reluctance to spend, particularly with the Delta variant on the horizon. So uh, we don't know. I mean, anybody who tells you they know exactly what's going to happen to this economy over the next three months uh, is not telling you the truth. Does that put even uh, more emphasis on watching what the, uh, the leaders of the Federal Reserve are thinking as we move forward over the next few months? Well, the Fed is obviously critical here, uh, and it pretty, it's pretty clear that uh, Jerome Powell does not want to in any way reduce uh, the Fed's vigilance with regard to keeping the economy going and aiming toward full employment. Uh, I think that there was some uh, movement on the part of the Fed toward reducing its bond purchases. I'm not sure that it's going to do that, given uh, how widespread the Delta variant is now, and given that we're seeing some reason to worry that the economy may actually start slowing because of that Delta variant. Well, and I think when you hear so many companies deciding to move back the dates that they had set uh, to bring employees back to the office. So many of them were targeting basically right after Labor Day. And now you hear a lot of them focusing on not only October or November, but now into January of of 2022 at this point. I, I think there becomes more of a concern about, as you mentioned, the slowing of the economy. But we're also at a point where the economy suffered the hit more than a year ago. And there are a lot of small businesses and businesses in general that just can't afford to have another hit to their to their bottom lines. Yes, that's exactly the problem. Uh, of course, in the longer term, if we are hit by this Delta variant in a big way, I mean, I'm talking about as big a way as we had in terms of the third wave of the Delta virus. If this fourth wave, the third wave of the virus overall, if the fourth wave is as large then it would be necessary for the sake of not only the economy, but for public health uh, to actually start closing businesses again. I hope that's not going to be the case, but obviously it would be just as foolish for us to keep the economy going at the risk of even more infections and longer term problems uh, than it would uh, to, uh, to, to, you know, sacrifice a little bit more. Uh, to get this completely out of our, as it were, our our system. What's been your reaction uh, over the last several months to how people and and the employment numbers have kind of, they've gotten better over the last couple of months, but we still have more than 8 million people, if you go by the numbers that are reported, that are not in the workforce. And, And I think for myself personally, I think I was part of the group that expected to see 
a quicker return, obviously the pandemic playing kind of the variable here. Uh, Have you been surprised how this has all played out in terms of people returning to the labor force? Uh, a little bit. I I was like you. I, I expected a faster recovery in terms of jobs. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, we haven't been through a pandemic before. We don't know what a recovery from a pandemic looks like. Uh, and uh, there are a, a lot, so many uncertainties here uh, that uh, to say that we're still uh, a 8 million, in fact, we're closer to 9 million short of what we would be had the pandemic never occurred. Uh, well, that's, uh, that's, that's not surprising. It's going to be a little bit longer. Uh, a lot of people are changing jobs. Many people are discovering that they actually like to work from home and they don't want to commute. Uh, some people are uh, are just reluctant to get back to work because they're still worried about COVID or they don't have childcare. Uh, you know, there are many, many things operating on the typical working American. How much will companies need to consider the option uh, of retraining even further, in, in your opinion? Uh, well, they will have to because there is going to be, in fact, there already is quite a lot of turnover. Uh, companies are seeing... Uh, the necessity of hiring either additional employees or new employees. They can't get the old employees back. uh, And that turnover means necessarily some more training costs. We're joined by Robert Reich, former U.S. Labor Secretary. Uh, A lot of conversation on what we're seeing in Capitol Hill uh, right now around the uh, financial support packages, the $1.1 trillion infrastructure package, and also the $3.5 trillion budget plan, uh, which is tied in with a lot of elements of human infrastructure. When you look at those two packages, the importance of those two for the country moving forward, how do you view that? Well, certainly the infrastructure package is critical. If if we are going to be as productive as we should be, uh, you can't do that if you have roads and bridges and pipes and everything else uh, corroding and disintegrating, as we've seen. So that is an investment in our future productivity. There's no question. Uh, with regard to the $3.5 trillion package, uh, you know, I think that childcare and pre-K and community college are also going to make us all more productive. Uh, and uh, the Democrats say it's going to be spread out over 10 years and it's going to be paid for in terms of higher taxes on the very wealthy and big corporations. Well, again, that's not going to be a budget buster by definition. Is there enough of a focus in that bill on internet infrastructure, or would you like to see even more? I think there is some uh, focus on the bill on internet infrastructure, particularly in rural areas. We still have, uh, remarkably, we have a lot of rural America that does not have access to internet. Uh, That's a big, big priority. It should be a big priority. Uh, Those uh, internet companies, internet service providers don't have enough financial incentive Uh, to do it themselves, given how far-spaced many people are uh, in rural America. So this is is a big and important investment, and it's the kind of investment that you would expect Republicans particularly wanting to make, given that so many Republican uh, voters are in rural areas. Then how important is it for you to see the White House make the call that it has to various leaders in the business community and also into... uh, Uh, other areas around internet, thinking public-private partnership, thinking about the jobs that are important in that area, especially around cybersecurity. That's a call that 
really, it feels like it, it almost feels like everybody now is starting to get on the on the same page here. It's the future of our economy then. If we didn't understand that before, we certainly understand it now. Uh, it's the future of, of our families in terms of their economic security. And it's also the future of our national uh, uh, security uh, in terms of foreign affairs. If we don't have a strong and secure internet infrastructure, uh, then we are going to be in very, very deep trouble as a society, as a community. So these investments are absolutely critical. What is missing at this point then from your perspective? What has not been done that needs to be done? Or is there an element that can be built into where this country is going right now to continue to build the economy back and and get us to a point? I think the expectation now is we're, we're moving the needle further back in terms of moving into 2022 and maybe even 2023 into having an economy that, that is back to what we remember it to be? Uh, well, the biggest problem uh, I see uh, is not so much uh, monetary policy or even specifically fiscal policy. The biggest problem is that we are becoming more and more unequal. More and more of the nation's wealth and income is going to the top. Uh, over the course of the pandemic, America's 660 billionaires increased their fortunes by $1.8 trillion. That would be enough to, to pay for the entire stimulus. I, I mean, and they would, be, and they, even if they did pay for that entire stimulus, they'd be back to where they were before the pandemic. Uh, you can't run an economy with so much wealth and income at the top because you see 70%, and let me repeat, 70% of the economy depends on consumer spending. And if you've got 40% or 50% of our consumers who are in debt, they have no saving, they are actually living paycheck to paycheck and are very insecure, their spending is not going to do it. Uh, you're going to have to have the Fed go deeper and deeper into its own form of debt and low interest rates and our fiscal policy uh, and our, our government going deeper and deeper into spending. That's not sustainable. So then off of that, what do you say on the business perspective to small business owners to make them feel like there is that that next step for them in the process. Well, I think uh, small businesses have to understand, and whether we're talking about wages or minimum wage or any kind of government policy, uh, that they have a larger stake in making sure that the bottom 60% of Americans have money in their pockets than almost anybody else. Uh, and that means that a stimulus, a healthy stimulus, it means uh, that you want safety nets that are actually safety nets that work for people, uh, that in fact, you want a society that is nowhere near as unequal as our current society. Do we continue the the move on, on the child tax credit as President Biden and the administration have done during this time of the pandemic? Well, we have to. That is the one-year child tax credit seems to have, all the early indications are that it has reduced child poverty by half, which is extraordinary. Uh, if we make that permanent, as is in that $3.5 trillion bill, uh, that will be a huge boon, not only to poor Americans, but also, again, I want to stress this, to the business community, because poverty is an enemy of spending, obviously, by definition, and without adequate spending, uh, you've got a lot of small businesses that are going to suffer. Mr. Secretary, thanks very much again for talking with us. All the best to you. Talk to you again Thank soon. Thank you, Dan. To you too. Thank you. Former U.S. Labor Secretary Robert Reich, 
as we mentioned, is a professor of public policy at the University of California at Berkeley. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.